Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we are so glad to be here in your house this morning with family, people that love you and want to rejoice and lift your name on high. And Lord, this morning, you are more than enough. When so many times in life we are just discouraged, we are empty, we feel lost, you are more than enough to fill all of those voids in our life, Lord God. You are a great God. You're a God that we can come to on our knees each and every day. You're a God that died on the cross for us, rose from the dead, and is preparing a place in heaven for each one of those who believe and call upon your name. You are a great God, King of kings and Lord of lords. Take what I have known and break it all apart. For you, my God, are greater still. And no sky contains, no doubt restrains all you are. The greatness of our God, I spend my life to know.
for the great singing. You can be seated, please. We have a lot of things going on here at Crossroads Ministries. First thing I'd like you to do this morning is take the friendship folder in front of you, that black folder. Just sign your name so that we can know that you are here. And if you are a first-time visitor, welcome. Would you please sign that as well? And also stop at our Welcome Center in the foyer. We have a gift for you that we just want to say thank you for popping in and seeing and visiting us today. And any information that you'd like about the church, you can get from Wade and Nancy there at the Welcome Center. We are really excited about what we did for Operation Christmas Child. We brought in, you brought in over 400 boxes to fill for Operation Christmas Child. That is 400 children that have nothing or very, very little that is going to get something extra from you this year. And I thank you for that. When we dropped those off, Jason and Courtney filled up their truck. I filled up my van. We took those to the site, the drop-off site. They were counting the boxes and they told me that we were one of the bigger churches that brought in that many boxes. They were actually amazed. So I just want to say thank you from all of you and just give God the glory that we came together to be able to give a little bit back to the children around the world. Also, as you came in in the foyer, you saw a white Christmas tree. And on that white Christmas tree are ornaments. That is for the Family Links Women's Shelter Christmas. We're giving back to the Women's Shelter this year. What we want you to do is just take an ornament off that tree. It is self-explanatory. The directions are right there. You want to bring back something for that shelter next Sunday. November 29th is when we're going to be giving those away. You don't have to wrap it. We just want you to give a little bit back to the women's shelter this year. There's a lot of women that are hurting, that have a lot of baggage, things they are going through that we want to help make their Christmas a little extra special this year. Also, this Wednesday, there's um, no Clubhouse Kids, no Connect, no Adult small groups. It is our Thanksgiving Eve this this Wednesday, so you want to make sure that you um, show up for that, that night, but there is no um, separate classes that evening. Also, we have Humbug in the works. Humbug is our Christmas musical dessert theater this year. We're excited about that. Our people put in a lot of hard work, and they do a great job. There's singing, there's choreography, there's acting, but most of all, there's Jesus Christ on this stage. We, Our goal is for those of us that know Jesus, to be able to fill these seats with people that need a touch from Jesus, that need a Savior. And that's why we do this every year. It is a great avenue, and we want you to pick up tickets today. They're only $5 this year. And we want you to pick up a couple, come yourself, but also fill the seats next to you with people that need Jesus this Christmas season. I assure you, God will bless you for that. Also, um, after this service, Jeanette, real quickly, is going to have a short meeting for anybody that is interested in helping to do some decorating around here. We have to decorate the foyer. We decorate the church after the Christmas uh, musical and also to decorate our gym for our Christmas musical. As I said, we're having a dessert theater this year. Those of you that grabbed gingerbread houses, remember we said we're having a contest for the best gingerbread house? We need you to bring those back on Sunday, December 6th. You don't want to bring them in before. We don't have a place to store 30 gingerbread houses. But you want to bring those back on December the 6th and no later. So that means y'all got to be here on December the 6th. But we are excited about what God has in store for us this Christmas season. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Rhonda. Well, it's so good to see everybody in the church today. What What a terrific spirit in our church this morning. If you're happy to be here today, say amen. I just want to follow up a little bit on what Rhonda was saying. This uh, Wednesday evening is Thanksgiving Eve. Through the years, many people have said Thanksgiving Eve is the very best service that we have all year long at the church. There's just something about it. When God's people are coming together, before the next day you do your turkey thing, you know, before you do that, we come together as a church family. We thank the Lord for his blessings. It's special. This year we have something even more special. Uh, we are going to do something. Uh, we're going to recognize our new lead pastor, Pastor Ken Barner, uh, this Wednesday evening. Uh, we're going to uh, confirm him, affirm him to the ministry here at our church. And so I don't want you to miss out on that. This is kind of, uh, it's kind of a, a milestone, really. After Joanne and I have been here in the church for 47 years, uh, we're turning it over to the next generation. And uh, this is exciting. It's exciting for me, and I hope it's exciting for you. 
we're going to uh, do something special, um, and I think you'll enjoy it uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, move everything off your schedule. Also, we are um, praying and asking the Lord to give us uh, a blessing in our birthday gift to Jesus offering this year. First time we ever decided to do anything like this, uh, we raised $386. Uh, this year our goal was $75,000. Now that's, that's a big difference between those two numbers. And I want to ask you to pray about your part. Give more to Jesus than any other single person on your Christmas list. Give by faith. I was telling the people in the first service, many years ago, whenever we had a new family come to the church, and this was all new to them, you know, giving all this money away for Christmas, that, you know, they'd never heard anything like that. And they said, you know, we want to be involved, but we don't have any money. And so uh, we told the people, listen, if you don't have any money to give to this project, pray and ask God to lay a number on your heart and then pray it in. Ask God, hold your hand out and see if God will put it in your hand. And so the wife told the husband, God some way revealed to her that they should give as a family $800 to the Christmas offering. And so that was a, that was a lot, a whole lot of money way back there many years ago. So the husband was like scared to death, you know, how are we going to do that? And so what they did is they prayed about it. And they said, Lord, if you put that money in our hand, we'll take it right up there to the church and we'll give it for our birthday gift to Jesus. Well, you know what happened? God gave it to them. And they were so excited. They didn't have it, but God has it. And so he's just looking for people to send it through. Look over this list. See if you can choose uh, a project on here for your family. Say, hey, listen, our family's going to give to the stewards over there in Ireland or the Vahela family in the Czech Republic, or the Johnson family in England. These are real people out there doing a wonderful work for the Lord. And this is the greatest way uh, to share your Christmas with them. When you do give, make sure you designate it Christmas, okay? Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning, and we'll receive our morning offering together. We thank you every week for being so faithful in your giving. Now we thank the Lord for providing it for us to give. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for helping us this week to provide a living for our family. We don't take any of these blessings for granted. We know that they come from your hand. And so we give you praise and honor for this, Lord. And now we come as a church family to render back to you a portion of our income so that you can use it for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
so much for your good singing today. Let's open our Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. Thank you, Eric. You know, there's something really special about Thanksgiving, and I think all of us really enjoy it a lot. Um, David in the Bible was uh, the great singer. He, was, he played the harp. He wrote music. Uh, he sang his praises to God. Uh, in Israel, whenever somebody said, hey, get the hymn book, uh, they grabbed the book of Psalms. And that was their hymn book. I'd like to, uh, let's look at the first five verses of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David here is, is uh, thanking the Lord. I think uh, America... Uh, through the years has been a nation of thanksgiving. In fact, if you uh, look up uh, thanksgiving on the internet, you'll find that several instances are recorded of the early settlers coming together thanking God for their blessings. In 1789, George Washington made this public proclamation. And I'd like to share a few words of it with you today. Uh, he said, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of the Congress, how about that? Both houses of the Congress um, have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many favors of Almighty God. Now therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted to the people of these United States to the service of our great and glorious being who is the author of all the good that was, that is, and will be. So read the first presidential Thanksgiving proclamation. Several pres presidents, including George Washington, made one-time Thanksgiving holidays. But uh, there was this lady, her name was Mrs. Sarah Hale, and she kept lobbying that the president would uh, make it a national holiday. And Abraham Lincoln was that president who made Thanksgiving a national holiday for our country. Oh, how we yearn for those early presidents, right? You know, this week our nation is going to pause once again to celebrate Thanksgiving Day. And you know, you would assume that uh, because of the tremendous example of our forefathers and because we have so much today that we would be extremely grateful people. But you know, it's often just the opposite. Uh, the more we get, the less thankful we, we become, the less mindful of God we are, and the more we want. And the biggest Thanksgiving killer is the day after when Christmas shopping begins in earnest. And we stop thinking about what we have and we start thinking about what we want. That's when unhappiness comes to our home. The biggest shopping weekend of the, of the year is that four-day period after Thanksgiving. In fact, in 2014, Americans spent $50 billion in four days uh, on Christmas things. Uh, this is what sends our whole culture into a frenzy of fatigue and depression. And you know, at, at Christmas time, people are more unhappy than ever before because they're looking for happiness in all the wrong places. It can, happiness can never be found by the things that we have. 
Happiness is only found by the person that we become. And that can only take place through a relationship with God Almighty, allowing him to have preeminence and a place of importance in our heart. You know, whenever we think of Thanksgiving, we think of the book of Psalms. The author was David. David didn't author all the Psalms. They said he authored at least 78 of the 150 that are, that are recorded. But this one is really like uh, an exciting one right here. And as you look with me in the first verse, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I was reading a commentary, and the commentator uh, said that David here is stoking his heart. He's talking, first of all, to himself before he talks to God. Now, that was interesting to me. Uh, because a lot of times, don't we come to God and we, we're so cold in our heart and we try to communicate with God and it seems like there's such a, a tremendous barrier between us and God. The commentator said here that David was preaching to himself and he stoked his heart. And as soon as I saw that word stoked, it brought all kind of memories back to my mind. I went back to that little house that I lived in in Sheridan, Pennsylvania, a little part of Pittsburgh, 1333 Tyndall Street. How's that for an old time memory? I went back there and I walked down the steps of our house and there was the coal cellar. How many people remember those days, the coal cellar? Oh, a few a few contemporaries, I see. Uh, I walked down and there was the coal cellar and there was this gigantic coal furnace in our house. And it was so big, it took the whole basement up. It was gigantic. And they had these, these uh, the runners that took the heat up and they were so big and they were so round. It looked like an octopus down there in the basement. And I remember in the morning, we all were like freezing in the house. And my dad would go down first of all and he'd open that thing and he would stoke the fire. He'd bring it back to life again. And when he did that, it's like we had hope for the day. Uh, the heat would start to come up. And so the commentator said that that's what David is doing right here. He's stoking his heart. He's preaching to himself. Um, this is what I think you and I need to do as a Christian. It's so hard to come to God cold. We need to warm ourselves up. We need to praise God with all of our heart. Look at that. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, all of our heart. He reminds himself that this is about his whole heart, all that is within him. I think that there are degrees of praise all the way from casual to extreme. Sometimes our praise and thanksgiving is so passive, though, and mechanical. We try to just check the box and we say, oh, yeah, I think I praised God. Let's see, when was it on Tuesday? I think I did that. Or maybe it was back in church. I had this moment that I felt like I could really connect with God. Can we get rid of that reverberation somehow back there? I had this moment that, uh, that I felt like I really connected with God. We try to just check it on off of our list so that we can get on with our day. It looks like to me that David is talking to himself right here. And he calls on his soul and all its faculties and powers to magnify God for his mercies. And I think that we can say that David is saying this, soul, get ready to praise. This has to be an all-out effort. He gives this his all. Now, when's the last time, and I'm preaching to myself this morning, when's the last time I praised God with all of my heart, with everything within me? When is the last time I did that? You know, uh, Pastor Ken's been teaching us the Lord's Prayer, about the Lord's Prayer. Remember that first statement, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed is big. Big God is your name. And uh, this should evoke from us something special. You know, we use the statement of when we see people, we say, well, that, that girl puts all of her heart into it. She gives it her all. Or he gives it his all. Or if we use football terms, we say, he left it all out on the field. 
He didn't bring anything back to the bench. He gave it his all. Well, that's what David here is telling himself. When I praise God, he says, I want to give it my all. Now, I don't know what, that challenges me, and I, I, I'm a little bit confused about it because I think uh, we seldom ever go there to give God our all in praise. But you know, it's not a new concept. Deuteronomy 6 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's a lot of love, you know that? With all of us. And so God wants us to be all in when we praise his name. Well, what David is doing here is he's praising God for his blessings. Uh, and he calls us, first of all, to look back. Look at he uses the word here, remember. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, forget not all his benefits. And so what he does is he asks us to turn around and look in, in the reverse, the rearview mirror of our life and look back. Uh, you know, this is important. Because you know what? A lot of times we just look at God and we say this. What have you done for me today, God? What have you done for me today? David is saying, don't do that. Look back and see what God did for you yesterday and the day before and the day before and every day before that. Listen, he has kept you alive until this day. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's a blessing from God. And so there are so many blessings. And he says, listen, I don't want you to forget them. I want you to remember them. Uh, you know, at Thanksgiving time, we come together as a church and we talk about Thanksgiving. And I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because the people of the world really don't understand Thanksgiving because Satan spreads his whole doctrine of selfishness in our world. And people are out to get all they can and to can all that they can get. And, and Thanksgiving is all about them. It's all for them. I'm going to my relative's house. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have this tremendous feast and we're going to do this. And it's all about us. But in the church, it's different. Thanksgiving is about God. It's about us doing the same thing that David did here in the Bible. You know, the early church was noted for their daily adorations. In the early church, remember, they met together on a daily basis. You think church is tough today. Uh, they met together all the time. And the testimony was that they were always worshiping God in the church. They were always worshiping God. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Will you sing that with me? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord, we give him all the glory. We give him all the glory. We give him all the glory. He cried the Lord. That's what people in the early church heard when the early church met together. They said, hey, we hear a sound. They're praising God again over there at that church. Here they listen to the sound. Don't forget where our benefits come from. You know, don't just say, whenever somebody looks at you and say, hey, listen, you're really blessed, aren't you? Don't say, oh, yeah, I'm really blessed. Tell them where your blessings come from. Use the name of the Lord. My blessings come from God. It's interesting here in the first part of this psalm, there's repetition. 
Repetition is important. The Bible warns us against vain repetition, but not repetition. Repetition denotes emphasis. Remember, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Emphasis. And David here is emphasizing something. Um, And what he wants us to do is write down these blessings of God and praise him for them and don't forget them. And so remember, remember the blessings. Turn back and look at the past and see what God has done for you. My, my advice to you is to record those blessings so you can look at them and enjoy them and savor them and praise God for them. Because our world is so fast today, isn't it? Uh, we're racing and uh, we... Sometimes we, you say to somebody, well, what did you do yesterday? And you, you know what the answer is? Well, I don't even remember yesterday. What, I don't, was there a yesterday? We're racing fo- so fast. He says, remember them. And then he begins to list them. Look at this. Look at verse 3. Who forgives all our iniquities, all of our sins, and heals all our diseases. This is the apex of our blessing, the blessing that is above and beyond all other blessings. It's in a class by itself. This we can never grow tired of blessing, praising God for the forgiveness of our sin. The human, the human problem is sin in the world. We look at the news, it's scary, isn't it? It's because of sin, sin in people's hearts. The human tragedy is sin. David, remembers writing here? He's singing here? He knew about this firsthand. There was a sad time in David's life, an experience when he took his eyes off of God and he allowed his power and authority to go to his head. And he thought he was above the law of God. And he fell into a pit of sin, which included adultery and murder. Now, he was scarred the rest of his life from that. But you know, he didn't, stop his life he returned away from his sin and he confessed his sin to God and Psalm 51 has this story of the repentance of David and this is the way it goes he said have mercy upon me O God according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my sin cleanse me from my sin For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. David said, listen, I know what I've done. It's bad. I call it sin. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is disobeying the law of God. David knew what he was doing. He said, I've done this evil in your sight. He says, cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You know, whenever you and I sin, which we all do, it takes the joy out of our Christian life. It just saps the joy right away from us. David said, listen, Lord, I need your joy back in my life. I know I've messed up bad but I know that you can forgive me of my sin. Uphold me, he said, by your spirit, and then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted to you. He said, if you forgive me of my sin, I'll become a teacher. I'll teach sinners your way. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Now, that was a bad sin, by the way. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. That's what David is doing here in Psalm 103. He's singing. He's got his joy. He's singing to God. You can't sing very good to God unless you have your sins forgiven. You know that? People who are not forgiven are not good singers because there's no, there's no joy in their heart. Everyone needs God's forgiveness. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. You know, God, you've heard this before. God doesn't like classify sin necessarily. He didn't say, oh, the big sinners are over here and the medium size, uh, uh, medium rare is here and well done is up there. 
He just says everybody's sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And this was hard for us to, to think, but, you know, the Bible also says there's none that d does good, no, not one. And a lot of times, you know, you think about somebody and maybe somebody's coming to your mind right now. You think it's the best person on the planet, Aunt Mary or Uncle Bill. And you think, boy, if ever there was a good person, it's them. Uh, I'm going to destroy your theory right now. Years ago, we had evangelism explosion here at the church, and they taught us uh, that if somebody just sinned three times a day, first of all, there'd be an angel. I do that before I get out of bed three times a day. If a person just sinned three times a day over the first year, they have a thousand sins on their account. And if they live for 70 years, they have 70,000 sins on their account. They are the best person who ever lived. And so Uncle Jim, or Aunt Mary, is a sinner. And every sinner needs a Savior. Every sinner needs to be forgiven. And there is only one person who is in that business, and it is God Almighty. He, because we have offended Him. He's the one that gave the law. We're the ones who broke it. And so we have to go to the lawgiver as a lawbreaker and ask him to forgive us. Well, you know, the people in the world, I mean, outside the church, living in darkness, um, they can never get ahead. And here's the reason why. Because they're fighting the world, and the world is against them. It's a broken place out there. It's a dangerous place. And everything in it is out there to tear you down, to make your life miserable. But, you know, a Christian can be overcome the world because 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so when we have the Holy Spirit, we can defeat the world. But how about the devil? You know, everybody likes to blame everything on the devil, don't they? The devil made me what? Sure, you, hey, you're good at that. The devil made me do it. And the devil is really real in the Bible. In fact, uh, Jesus was talking to Peter one day, and he said this in Luke 22. He said, Satan came to me, and he asked me to have you back. He asked to have you back for himself. Now, if Satan came to Jesus to ask Jesus' permission to take Peter back, I think he does the same thing for you and me. He wants you back. Satan is to get you back. He's out there to get you, to trick you. But Jesus said, Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And you know, when Jesus prays, things happen. Good things happen. And so we have the devil against us. Why can't people in the world ever get ahead? Why are they always under this black cloud? It's because of the world. It's against them. Satan is against them. But, you know, probably our worst enemy is the person we see in the mirror in the morning. That's us. That's our worst enemy. We call this our flesh, our sinful nature. I found a very interesting description, uh, a paraphrase of, of Romans 7. And I'd like to read a few sentences for you, if you'll let me this morning. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commandments are spiritual, but I'm not. Now, this is Paul. Paul said, listen, at this time in my life, I'm not a spiritual person. Isn't this also your experience? Uh, yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. Uh, what I don't understand about myself is that I, I decide one way, but then I act another way, doing things I absolutely despise. Now, I'm asking you to identify with this. Can you identify with this? So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. You know, he said, I need the law of God. I need the commandments of God. They help me. But look what he says next. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, 
And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. Paul said, listen, I need help. I need some help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to be good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has, something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. He's talking about his sinful nature. You know, when you get saved, you still have a sinful nature, right? And you have this war inside of you. The Holy Spirit is telling you to go this direction, and your sinful nature is leading you in another direction. That's what he's talking about. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commandments. He says, I love the Bible, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Isn't that so revealing, isn't it? We carry our Bible and we read it and we say, boy, I really like this. This is awesome. This is great. But there is this enemy within inside of us. That's what he's talking about. Parts of me co covertly uh, rebel and just when I at least expect it, they take advantage. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Paul throws his hands up and he says, listen, I don't know what else to do. I love the Bible, but I can't live it. Isn't there anyone who can help me? I need help. Isn't this the question? The answer is, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. You know, whenever we live outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, there's this cloud. It's it just like it just won't go away. A new power is in operation. The spirit of, of the life of Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing me from this uh, faded lifetime of brutal tyranny of the hands of sin and death. Uh, he says, listen, I, I, I finally found the person who can help me. It's Jesus Christ. Uh, I've had a black cloud over my head. I can't live the Christian life. It's impossible for me. Even though I love the Bible, I love to know, come to church, I just can't get my act together. He said, listen, the answer is the Spirit of God in our heart. You know, there's a barrier between us and God, and it's our sin. Isaiah 59.2 says, all of our iniquities have separated us from God. And forgiveness is so important, and that's why Jesus died on the cross, to forgive us. Remember, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's why Christ died. The blessing of forgiveness only comes from God. In the Old Testament, it came from God. In the New Testament, it comes from God. We'll never get over our forgiveness, the forgiveness of sin. And so here he stokes his heart and he says, I'm going to praise God with all of my heart. And he lists the things for which he praises God. Look at it, verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities. All of our iniquities. That's what he praises God for. Uh, what a tremendous thing. Uh, the forgiveness of sin. Praising God for our forgiveness. I remember uh, in the church when I was a kid. And uh, my dad never let a, us vote on whether we came to church or not. It was never up for a vote. We went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And any other night that the church doors were open. That was the philosophy back in those years. And so, you know, as a teenager, that was kind of hard because you'd have to, like, on a Sunday night, you'd be walking to church and all your buddies was over here doing something. And they said, hey, where are you going? Ha ha. You're going to church, huh? Well, my dad, he said, listen, this is just the way it's going to be in our home. 
And so I, I joined a parade. We went to church on Wednesday night. And you know, our church was like any other church on Wednesday night. It's hard to get people to come to church on Wednesday night. And we had a little church right by Langley High School over there in the Sheridan section of Pittsburgh. And, and they would have testimony meetings. How many people can remember when churches had testimony meetings? Would you raise your hand? Put it up. Okay, good. They had testimony meetings. And that means the pastor would get up and he would say, now who will be the first one to give a testimony? And the place would get so quiet. It's like, holy cow. People would look like this, testimony. And, the, and they'd like slip down in their seat, you know, like hide behind the person in front of them. And uh, so the pastor would encourage him. And so finally some brave soul would get up. And you know what they would say? They would say, boy, I thank God that I'm saved. I thank God that he's forgiven me. And how I'm a teenager in the church. And, uh, and, uh, and then somebody else would get up. That would encourage another person to get up. And they would say, boy, thank God I'm saved. Uh, when I was a 10-year-old kid, I gave my heart to Christ. And one after one, uh, one after another would get up and say things like that. And I would think, why don't they say something more? Why don't they, is there more than that, that they're saved? Why don't they have a, something to say beyond that? Now, sometimes people did have other things. But that was like the main thing they were thankful for. Now, when, I was, when you're a teenager, nothing is cool and you're always bored. You know that? And I was bored with it all and I didn't appreciate it all. But you know, I do now. Because uh, those were people that never got over the fact that their sins had been forgiven. They never got over it. And it was the, it was the most important thing in their life. And they wanted to praise God for that. And so David is doing the very same thing here in Psalms 103. He said, listen, I've got a lot of praise in my heart. I'm going to praise God with everything that's in my soul. But the first thing I'm going to praise God for is that my sins are forgiven. Uh, I want to encourage you, uh, never, ever, ever get over your soul salvation, the forgiveness of your sins. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you on planet Earth is to know that through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You stand perfect in the sight of God. That you didn't get your sins forgiven because of what you did. You got your sins forgiven because of what he did for you on the cross. And all you did was believe and receive the forgiveness of God as a gift from him. And when you die you get to go to heaven to live your eternity with Christ. That's the most important thing. You know, I think of Joe DiGennaro. Joe, uh, Joe and Ilona came to our church many years ago. And they lived out not too far from the church. And Ilona tells the story about how she brought Joe to Christ, her husband. Her husband was an alcoholic. And he tells the story about growing up in the shadow of the World Trade Center of New York City. He also said that, he would also say that all of his friends are dead. And their motto was, there's no hope without dope. And uh, she finally got tired of his alcoholism and she drug him to church and she sat him on the back seat of a little church over here in Heidelberg. I think it's the Bible Baptist Church. And the faithful pastor got up and presented Christ. Joe was drunk. I didn't know you could get saved when you're drunk. I really didn't know that. I live a sheltered life. But then I thought, drunks know when the football gets down to the red zone, don't they? They know all about that stuff. So they can get saved when they're drunk. And so she drug him into church, and I don't know whether she threatened to get him to church or not, but he, he was in church. And he finally looked into his heart and the pastor told him that God loved him. And Jesus died upon the cross for his sins. And he surrendered his life to Christ. And he became a changed man. And he began to go around and speak to other groups. And he would speak in other churches. And he would open his testimony by saying, all my friends are dead. And he would list them. Uncle Joe died in prison. Bill, my friend, was shot in the street. My other, my other friend, Randy, uh, overdosed. And he would go down the list. All of my friends are dead. And uh, it had such a powerful impact. Joe never got over the forgiveness of his sins. 
and the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. And I want to encourage you, never get over it. Never be ashamed to get up and say, I thank God for my soul salvation. Because it was the price that Jesus paid upon the cross for our sins that made it all possible. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, uh, I wonder if you're here today and maybe you have never invited Christ into your life. You've gone to church. Uh, you've gone through the motions. You've made people happy because of your attendance. But you've never just opened your heart to Jesus. And you need a Savior. You are a sinner. And God, the only thing God wants you to do is acknowledge that. That's all. To Him. Uh, he wants you to come to him like David and said Lord clean my heart cleanse my heart I have broken your law I have offended you I'm lost without you I trust you as my savior if you're here today and you've never done that you can do that this morning in this church you don't have to walk down an aisle you don't have to have an emotional experience you just have to make it a good solid honest humble decision and pray to God and so will you pray this prayer? Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you completely as my Savior. I'm not trusting in anything but you for my soul's salvation. Send your spirit to live in me so that I can live your life on earth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together as we, as we sing our closing song. And as we sing this closing song, if you'd like to come and kneel here at the front of the church and pray about anything that's going on in your life or the life of a friend, just feel free to do that. In the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness you are there. Secret in the quiet hour, I wait only for you because I want to know you more, and I want to know you, I want to hear your voice, I want to know you more, I want to touch you. each and every Sunday. You know, there's this little song we used to sing uh, in the church as a kid. Into my heart, come into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, 
into my heart, Lord Jesus. Yeah, what a powerful thing that is. Will you help me? Let's do it. Okay. Into my heart, come into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. You know, that had a real impact upon me as a kid. Uh, when you leave on the right side uh, of our doors there, there's a table. There's, uh, the tickets have flown out of here. I've checked that between the services. I don't think there's all that many left out there for a humbug. <laughs> and so get out there and get the tickets, okay, on your way out. I'll see you uh, Wednesday evening for our Thanksgiving service. Okay, turn around and shake hands with your neighbor. God bless you. You're dismissed.